0: I can't tell you how excited I am that you are connecting with us for this message. This is an incredibly important message. As a matter of fact, I'm using this week to make a shift in my series called Hope in the Mist of an Upside-Down World. And for the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking about what does it mean to be a Jesus follower in, in this political climate. So you're gonna to want to lean in. Can you can you shout in the chat, lean in? As a matter of fact, once you push that share button right now on your Facebook page on on your website, share this link because you're gonna want your family and your friends to connect with this message. Now, I also want to say a word of thank you. As you know, California, we're still on fire, and all kinds of stuff is burning all around us. But your generosity, I'm talking to the local and global NBCC community has been amazing over the last two weeks, and because of it, we 're going to be able to contribute 20,000 dollars to fire relief, and we 're going to send that money to Twin Lakes Church, which is located in Santa Cruz, which is at the epic center of where well, a lot of this uh, fire damage has taken place, and we have a sister church there, Twin Lakes Church, that is just doing incredible work as a matter of fact. The senior pastor of that church, Pastor Rene Slepflur, will be our our speaker here next weekend uh, as he continues on what I'm starting today, uh, talking about what does it mean to be Jesus followers in this political climate, faithful Jesus followers. So you do not want to miss next weekend for sure. Now, uh, let's pray. God, I'm asking you to move supernaturally through this message. I'm trusting that the people watching, you've orchestrated it. So have your way. In Jesus' name, have your way in their lives, but also have your way in my life. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, If you've been with us over the course of the last two weeks, you know that I spent those two weeks talking about how to survive the basement Of despair and if you miss those messages our website is right here on the screen and I want to encourage you to create some space in your life and over the next several days go hear those messages because there's some content there it might actually help to save if not your life certainly the life of someone that is dear to you go listen to those messages now what I said at the very end of last week was I challenged you to make a commitment and here was, the, here was the challenge. I invited you to commit that, no matter how horrible it gets in the future, however it might become, that you're gonna make the decision now, through the power of Jesus Christ working in your life, that you're gonna, keep, you're gonna choose, can you shout choose? Choose to keep living, to keep serving others, and to keep loving. Now, if you made that commitment, Awesome. If you didn't, you could still make that commitment right now, today. And the moment you make that commitment, there's a subtle transformation that takes place in your life. You move from being a person who is looking for hope in the basement, in the dark basement of despair, to becoming a person who is the instrument of hope, standing on the balcony of hope. Now, let's turn our attention to the Apostle Paul as he writes that Jesus follows us in the city of Philippi as we come towards the end of the first chapter. And there's some incredible insight that I want to make sure we capture today. And so, here's what he writes. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. Together with one spirit and one purpose. Fighting together for the faith. Which is the good news. Or the gospel. There ends the reading. Here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear God say to you today. God is saying, I have need of you. Another way of putting it. God is saying, I want you to leave the basement and go to the balcony. Can you shout balcony in the chat? Listen, here's a remarkable woman, Ms. McLeod, who is an uh, incredible Canadian opera singer. And because of the pandemic, the opera houses across Canada, as you would imagine, has been shut down. The theaters are dark, the ticket rooms, the ticket booths are uh, motionless and she's at home trying to figure out how to pay her bills. But rather than simply spending her life in the basement of depression and despair, uh, just calling it quits, two to three times, and I'm sure she's working on how to figure out how to pay her bills. I'm sure she's a bit concerned about that. I'm sure she's working on that. But two to three times a week and sometimes more, she comes out on her balcony and she renders really an opera concert for her neighborhood. And people all up and down her, her street wait with bated breath for these opera concerts that she gives from her balcony. Because it, it extends into their lives such a sense of hope and such light. She's a balcony person. Look, uh, if there ever was a time that, that the world needs to see more balcony people, it's now. If there ever was a time that the world needs to see what I want to call more people of light in this intense moment of darkness, it's now. And God is saying, I have need of you. I'm calling you up out of the basement onto the balcony. Be balcony people. Here's how Jesus puts it in Matthew. He says this in the gospel: "Man, let your good deeds shine out. Be a balcony person. Be a person of light for all to see, so that everyone will know that God still sits on His throne. That everyone will know that God is still at work in the world. And praise your heavenly Father." End quote. Can you be a balcony person? Can you respond to the call of God as he's inviting you to be a person of light in this desperate world? He's calling you. Now, if there ever was a time that the people in this world needed to see balcony people, people of light, of course it's now. And if there ever was a time that they need to see uh, people of light in our contemporary politics, it's now this very, very moment. So, how should a Jesus follower approach the political elections? That's what I wanna to begin to focus our attention on today because we're called to be in these elections. People are like, listen, here's what I know to be true. We're about to face, here in America, uh, one of the most divisive and perhaps darkest elections in our contemporary history in November. if you're watching this from outside of america here's what i also know to be true that there is a spirit of polarization and hatefulness and division is sweeping across the globe so what i'm talking about for jesus followers to do how i'm suggesting that jesus followers are to shine from the balcony in this moment are real lessons that you can internalize and apply right where you're living wherever you're living in the world And if you're not a Jesus follower, I want you to lean in. Everybody shout lean in. Shout lean in on the chat. Lean in. Lean in. Because I'm hoping that as you see healthy Jesus followers, either we'll make the case for you to become a Jesus follower or minimally follow our lead and make a difference in the world in this time. That is so very, very serious. Now, let's turn our attention to the Apostle Paul. As, I, as you know, he's living in an upside-down world, as I have said every week. He is uh, under house arrest for two and a half years. He's chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. He doesn't know whether tomorrow or next week he's going to be sentenced to death. His world is turned upside down. And he's writing to a group of Christians who are, un- who are undergoing their own expression of suffering and persecution in the colony of Philippi and despite his context even though from time to time he'll get pulled into the basement paul lives most of his life on the balcony we know this because in four chapters in the letter of philippi, uh, the letter he writes to the christians in philippi philippians 16 times he talks about rejoicing and joy he's living most of his life on the balcony guys he's a light and we also know that he's attending to something else that's pretty deep in that church community. Listen, here's the deal. Our nation is horrendously divided when it comes to these political elections here in America. But here's what's also true. The church across all of our diversity is tremendously divided in some of the worst kind of ways. Well, it was also the case in Paul's day. It was also the case in the, as it relates to the Jesus followers in Philippi. And so right here in chapter 1, he begins to attend to this issue of divisiveness in the Christian community in Philippi. Here's the deal, because he knew that if they didn't get that under control, if they didn't deal with that, that divided spirit was going to undermine their ability to be a great beacon light of hope in an upside down world. So he starts right here in chapter one. Now I told you a few days last weekend that the letter he's writing will be read publicly as Jesus' followers will gather in homes across the city of Philippi. And rather than have a sermon or a teaching like I'm doing, they're they're gonna read that letter publicly. And when he gets to this theme of divisiveness, The folk who are part of the division, they're going to know exactly what he's talking about, right? So it shows up right here in chapter 1, starting in verse 27b. He says, look, uh, I'll know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together as opposed to fighting each other for the faith, which is the good news. The reason he's calling this out, the people listening to it, they know that it is the opposite that they're living through in the church in Philippi. Then look at what he says in chapter 2. Look at what he says in chapter 2, how he starts that off. He says, so make me truly happy by doing what you're not doing. Agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. They're not doing that. Loving one another. They're not doing that. Working together with one mind and one purpose. And then in chapter 3, he takes on this whole issue of theological division, right? There's a group of folk who showed up that they're saying in order to be a Jesus follower, in order to be saved, you need to be circumcised physically. He's pushing back hard against that in chapter 3. He says, absolutely not and then here comes chapter four in chapter four he reminds us that while he's been diplomatic for three chapters as he comes to the crescendo of the letter he's just got to call out the people right that there are times in our lives when we need to call out those who are being dysfunctional we need to name them not hatefully not in a nasty kind of way as my grand-aunt would say but with love and clarity And look at how he names the source of the division in the church. These are two female leaders. They are major leaders in this early Christian church. They're not fighting over the color of the carpet in the church. He wouldn't take time to write them about that. But they are major leaders who are in disagreement. It's causing major problems in the church. And here's how he writes it. He writes, notice the tone of love that he attends to them with, right? Now I appeal to Yodia and Seneca, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Now, we don't know what the disagreement was. Was it a political disagreement, a theological disagreement? We know that that it turned into fraction, fractions in the church. Was one conservative and the other more progressive? Right? Was, was, uh, was one more liberal and the other more conservative? Uh, uh, we don't know. but. Major disagreement. Here's an insight though. He says, because you belong to the Lord. Here's what Paul is affirming. While the two of you are standing on two opposite sides of an issue, whatever that is, that's, that's ricocheting through the community, uh, playing the note of division, while you're on two opposite sides, you both belong to the Lord. You're still Jesus followers. Both of you. Watch what he says as we move forward. He says this, and I ask you, my true partner, the true partner here is probably talking to the pastor, the overseer of that community, right? He says, to help these two women, for they, now he's, 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 he's testifying to their credibility, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. The word good news means gospel. And what he's saying is, look, I can I, I can. I can vouch for each of their credibility. That they were, they were part of my team in proclaiming the gospel about Jesus Christ. And while they are on opposite sides of some issue today, they were authentic preachers of the gospel. Watch this, next, it goes on. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. I can can almost hear Paul in this letter dealing with some of the stuff that must have gotten back to him about what was really going on there. That that clearly there were some people, maybe part of Seneca's group, that said, uh, that the folk over there in Judea's group, uh, you know, surely their names are not written in the book of life. Surely they are not Jesus' follower. How could they be Jesus' follower, believing what they're believing and, and vice versa? So he, not only is he employing the two leaders to come together, but he's instructing the other folk who are following them Throw that crazy stuff out of the window. Listen, both of these women are Jesus followers. And both of them have their names written in the book of life. Now you may be asking me, "Why well, I'm spending time doing, working with this. Well, let me just say it plainly. It's possible for you to be a Republican and a Jesus follower. It's possible for you to be a Democrat and a Jesus follower to be a progressive or a conservative or a libertarian and a Jesus father. Of course that's the case, right? NBCC is made up of Republicans and Democrats and libertarians and progressives and conservatives. You guys make, your diversity is who we are. Of course it's true. This is why I'm so excited to preach this message because I'm talking to people who can, who can be balcony people, people of light. Some of you are saying, well, that's obvious. No, it isn't. The darkness has become so thick, the toxicity has become so poisonous that what should be obvious is no longer obvious. Let me, let me just give you an example. I, I got this article, was given to me, uh, came out September the 8th in uh, a Texas paper called The Fourth Worth Star Telegram. And here's the headline of the article. It says, all Democrats are going to hell. Go look it up. You can find it. It turns out the Catholic priest was disciplining another Catholic priest who attended the Democratic convention. Obviously, the first one was part of the Republican convention and he said to his fellow Catholic Christian, his uh, Catholic Christian priest, he said to him, uh, you can't be a Catholic, Christian, and Democrat. All Democrats are going to hell. And his bishop supported him. Well, let me, let me say to that, to that Catholic priest, Paul wants to speak to you across the vistas of time. The Paul who's writing this letter that I just finished referring to. And here's what Paul is saying to you. Check your heart. You've had a heart attack. Can you shout in the chat a heart attack? Because you've allowed your heart to be attacked by the toxicity and by the darkness of this present world and it is driving out of your heart the very present light of Jesus itself. Of course you can be a Democrat and be a Jesus follower. Now, as I make this point, I know people over the years who, have, who are Democrats who have said it's impossible to be a Republican and go to heaven. Well, I want you to hear the Apostle Paul lovingly communicate with you across the vistas of time. He's telling you, you need to check your heart. Come on, shout in the chat, check my heart. Because you've had a heart attack. You've allowed the toxicity and the small-minded darkness of this present world to penetrate your heart. And God is saying, I have need of you. I'm calling forth a balcony person, a person of light. Come forth. Let him deliver you of that toxicity from your heart. Of course you can be a Republican, and a Jesus follower at the same time. So I'm taking time to work through these messages. I'm not trying to tell you how to vote, but I am challenging you to get your heart right. I am challenging you to let God clarify your mind because God is calling you not to reflect the darkness around you, but if there's but one person who's, from whose life light is shining, let it be your light. And let it be the light of Christ. All right, well, let's, get, let's, let's work through this verse. I want to give you a couple of guiding principles. And we're just getting started, all right? So you want to stay with me for the next several weeks as we all uh, make sure that we, we do a heart checkup and we clarify our thinking in this toxic time. So here's what Paul says, back to verse 27. Now you now know that when he writes verse 27, he's thinking about chapter four and those two women. You now know that when he writes verse 27, he's thinking about the division that he's, he's, he's gonna systematically address. And there's some insight for our politics as we work through this. Here it is, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Now when Paul writes this you must live as citizens of heaven immediately the Jesus followers in Philippi got an image in their mind. Here's the deal if you were in Philippi if you were in Philippi you had all the rights and privileges of the citizens of Philippi but Philippi was also a Roman colony So it's very possible for you to be both a person with all the rights and privileges of a citizen of Philippi and also have all the rights and privileges of the imperial city of Rome, which was tons of miles away, right? And they knew that if ever there was a conflict between the policies of philippi and the policies of rome that that the that rome always wins it it would always supersede it would be preeminent and that what Paul is saying is, hey, guys, you're not just citizens of Rome and Philippi. You are citizens of a greater kingdom that has a king that is greater than Caesar. Come on now. And Nero, and his, his name is Jesus. You are citizens of heaven. And therefore, here's the first insight, that you need to operate, you need to operate with a kingdom perspective. A kingdom perspective perspective. Citizens of heaven. Don't you love that? (laughs) Here's what it means. You not only have the political papers of your passport and driver's license and birth certificate that says that you are citizens of this country, but if you're a Jesus follower, you have a passport that has stamped on it heaven. (laughs) <laughs> kingdom of God you have, a, you, have a, you have a driver's license that ought to have stamped on it heaven you have a you, 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 you have birth certificate for those of us who've been reborn by the spirit of God that has stamped on it heaven that, that I'm a part of the kingdom of God and whenever the agenda of God's kingdom conflicts with the agenda of local politics God's kingdom agenda is preeminent it's in shape. Let me make the point. Here, let me drive it home this way. Jesus taught his disciples both how to think about prayer and how to think about their politics. Here's what he taught them. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed and holy, be your name. But come, the actual Greek says, Come kingdom of God come be done will of God be done here on earth even as it is in heaven your politics as a Jesus follower should be shaped and defined by a kingdom agenda to bring God's kingdom to the the earth To, 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 to manifest his heart in the world And and, and guess what? You can do that in any of these broken political parties because they are all broken political parties made up of broken people. Here's an interesting insight. Let me tackle this question from this way. Whose side is God on? Is he Republican or is he Democrat? Is he with the conservatives or is he with the liberals, the progressives? fascinating story in Joshua, right? Joshua has been uh, appointed by God as the successor of Moses and here in chapter five, he's led them across the Jordan River. Miraculously, the river opens up amazing stuff and now their first major battle is really to confront this heavily fortified city called Jericho. It's, it's, it's almost impenetrable, right? Joshua is, is kind of scouting around the city, trying to, trying to figure out, you know, how can we do this thing? And then the text picks it. Here it is. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Now, this appearance is often referred to as a theophany. Usually, it's expressed as an angel, such as in the burning bush that Moses encountered. But at this one and the same time, it's also thought of as, as a unique appearance of God, right? So, he sees this. This man with a sword drawn. Next verse, watch what he does. So, Joshua goes up to him and says, look, I I need to just check in with you. Are you for us or for our enemies? NIV says, our adversaries. Which one are you for? I I can hear Republicans asking, uh, God, God, are you for us? for our enemies? I can hear Democrats asking, God, are you for us or for our enemies? Which, 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 who are you for? Notice the answer that comes powerfully to, the answer, it it, it shouts across eternity. God declared, neither one! Can you shout neither one? Can, Can you shout in the chat, neither one! No, it says, I'm for me. My agenda, right? The angel goes on and says, I am the commander of the Lord's army. I'm here to do the Lord's bidding. And if Israel is available for that, then we'll work through Israel. If, if there's some folk in Jericho like, like, uh, like Rahab, then we'll work through folk in Jericho. Uh, we're just looking, for, I'm here to do God's agenda. Whew. And then here's what your pastor ought to be, right? Here's your is At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. And here's, here's his confession. I'm at your command. Did I not tell you a few moments ago, the God of the universe who showed up in Jesus says to you, I have need of you. Oh, might your heart be broken? Might you come to a place in this time, in this message? that declares, "I'm at your command, not Mr. Trump's command, not Mr. Biden's command, not my party's command, but I'm at your command." What do you want your servant to do? Dr. Tony Evans talks about this. He says, "In this moment, God declares that He's a kingdom independent." I think that's fabulous. Can you shout kingdom independent? Can you put that in the chat? Kingdom independent. Yeah, that's who I am. That's what I am. I'm a kingdom independent. I, I suggest that if you're a and Jesus you ought to be a kingdom independent. I don't care how you read it. You may be as a Democrat or Republican or whatever. but But you ought to function as a kingdom independent. And over the last three decades or more, I have functioned as a kingdom independent. There have been times when I've voted for Republican candidates. There have been times when I've voted for Democratic candidates. There's time I've voted for Republican policies, Democratic policies at other times. It, it, it all comes out of my posture of doing what Joshua did, and that is I, I find myself on my face before God and I declare, what do you want your servant to do? Because I'm, I'm your Servant, And sometimes God directs me to go that way and sometimes he directs me to go that way. And you ought to be holding your political party affiliations loosely while holding tightly your commitment to the one who's king of kings and lords of lords. Wow. Secondly, let's hasten towards the the conclusion of our time together. The second point, let's go back to verse 27. He, he continues. He says, uh, Above all, you must be citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. Now, let me just point out this word, worthy. Can you, can you just shout in the, in the chat, worthy? You just say worthy? This, this notion of worthy does not refer to merit, does not refer to Character, as we often think about it, right? I've got to earn the right to be. That's not the point. The Greek word beneath this word, uh, worthy, really means alignment. What he's saying is conduct your life, uh, uh, conduct yourselves in a manner that aligns with the essence of the good news that you've been proclaiming about Jesus. And what he's saying to Judea and to Seneca, these two female leaders, what he's saying to them is, you guys have been preachers of the gospel, you've been proclaimers of Jesus, but the way you're leading in this season, your life is not aligning with the essence of the message that you've been proclaiming. I just think there's some priests and some preachers and some spiritual leaders that ought to hear this message that he was writing to those leaders in that day. Oh, may I hear this message? Hmm. What he's saying is, first insight is you, you gotta, you need to think through your politics with a kingdom agenda lens. And the second is you need to think through your politics with a gospel alignment lens. Well, let's remind ourselves, what is the gospel in terms of, what's the essence of it? Well, Here's what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians. Here's what he says. He says, for God was in Christ reconciling. Come on, shout in the chat, reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. People, that's Republican people and Democratic people. That's, you know, that's (laughs) the slave owners and pimps and prostitutes. You just name it. People's sins against them, those who come, right? And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. As to the work that Jesus has done on the cross, He frees us from our sins if we put our faith in. That's what He's saying. Now, whenever you see the word reconciliation, shout reconciliation. Beneath that word is another word hostility. It reminds us that our rebellion against God creates hostility between us and God, but because what Jesus has done on Cabbage Cross on your behalf and mine's, there comes reconciliation. And Paul says that ministry is now your ministry and my ministry if we are Jesus' followers. That includes our politics to overcome the hostility. He also talks about overcoming the hostility between groups. Here's what he writes in Ephesians. Here's what he says. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews, meaning Jewish Christians in this respect, and Gentiles, meaning Gentile Christians in this respect, into one people called the church community. When in his own body on the cross, watch this, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Right, because we're all sinners, all forgiven and saved and redeemed through the sacrifice life of Jesus. If this is true for Jews and Gentile Christians, don't you think it's true for Republican and Democrat Christians? that He has broken down the wall of hostility. <laughs> Lead like that's your reality. All right, there's a couple of questions I wanna raise real quickly. Here's the first question. Is it possible to profoundly disagree with someone and love that person deeply at the same time? Is it possible? Let me give you the answer. Absolutely. How do you know? Well, Jesus profoundly disagrees with some stuff going on in your life, and yet he loves you deeply at the same time. That's the message of the cross, guys. It's the message of the cross, isn't it? Yeah, I, 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 I uh, remember this fascinating story where this uh, Jewish lawyer comes to Jesus and says, look, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and uh, they go through, you know, keeping the commandments, this and that. And he says, I've done all that. And then ultimately he says, uh, and Jesus says, okay, here's the real deal. Go sell all you have and follow me. He says, the man walked away in great grief but the text then says about Jesus, Jesus looked at him walking away from Jesus. Jesus looked at him with, with eyes of great love. The same eyes of love he's looking at you. If you're a Jesus follower, that ought to be reproduced in you. Well, here's another question. Check this question out, think about it. Is it possible to hold deep convictions and simultaneously Embrace those who reject your deep convictions. Let me just quickly answer it. Yes. How do I know this? Because Jesus holds deep convictions about you and about your life and your worldview and your theological and philosophical and political perspectives. And simultaneously, he embraces you although in many ways you have rejected his convictions. You know, if you read Matthew chapter 10, Matthew is the only one who calls this out. He wants to make sure people doesn't miss it. Matthew was a tax collector. He calls this out as he lists the disciples that Jesus selected, which meant that Matthew worked for the Roman government. He was in the Roman government pocket. Strong supporter of the government. There's another person that was a disciple who was called Simon the Zealot. That meant he was a Jewish nationalist. He was a revolutionary. He, he didn't like to go. He wanted to overthrow the Roman government. They radically disagreed. But they, they were on the same team with Jesus. Because Jesus was their Lord. Jesus was their king. And their commitment to his kingdom agenda was greater was greater. So here's the here's the insight I want you to go home with. Quick insight. Here it is right here. It's, can you disagree politically? Love unconditionally. And yes, it's doable. To disagree politically, love unconditionally is doable. As a matter of fact, if you are a Jesus follower, it's required. It's required. All right, we're going to stop here. And uh, let me just pray. God, let this message have and do your work in all of our hearts as we prepare to move forward. Clear our heads and treat our hearts. Because we want to be balcony people. People of the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Really appreciate preaching this. Make sure you get back here next week and hear what Pastor Renee is going to have to say. The same message, and you just want to stay with us. You want to get your friends and your family. I'm going to talk about some of these issues that's a little hot, locked into some of this stuff. So you want to just walk all the way through with us, okay? And take a look at the next steps. There's a next step card that's that's popping up on your screen right now. It begins with uh, giving you an opportunity to say, "I want Jesus to be the king of my life. I want to be a Jesus follower." And then there's some other steps that you can take. I seriously want you to take a look at that, right? If you just Want some more information there's a blank there for that i particularly want to call your attention to the response to the message and, and it's an action step child action step it's an action step i want to challenge you especially if you're a jesus follower i want to challenge you to make this commitment i'll pray for those with whom i disagree i don't mean an abstract i mean name a person see your face get a person in front of you political disagreement theological disagreement disagreement around your family stuff i don't know But pray, and now don't pray that God fix them. Pray that God has his way in their hearts and their lives and pray that that same God will have his way in your heart and in your life. And I'll see you next week. God bless. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining. I need your help. I need you to help us get this message out. And and make sure people are lined up to hear the next several weeks. We we need your help. This world needs to hear what we're talking about Uh, So share this on your Facebook page, please Share it on the website page and make sure that you're popping back in here next weekend Get all your family and friends to hear Pastor Menea as he picks up where I I Left off today and then I'm gonna come right back the following weekend. So next lastly If you want to be notified when we go live, push that notification bell button. Now here's a reflection question I want you to wrestle with. How can I take a step of love towards a person of a different political position? I want you to pray about this, wrestle with this. And I want you to put a name and a face inside of this question, right? And if you don't know anybody who thinks differently than you than politically, then that's an issue. God is stretching you in this moment, especially if you're Jesus follower.